Welcome back into the show here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. My name is Jeremy Poplin, Colby Daniels alongside as well, and Bryce Hulse on the opposite side of the glass. It is Wednesday, so let's hit up that hotline and welcome in Dr. Chris Crane from Tulsa Bone & Joint. Check them out online at TulsaBoneAndJoint.com. Dr. Crane, how are you doing this afternoon, sir? Fantastic. How are you, Jeremy? I'm well because a little bit of respite with some of this weather. Boy, a little rain overnight. At least you get out early to football practice like I did today, and it doesn't make you want to go punch a kitten directly in the face because it's so hot outside in the early mornings. Not that I would ever suggest or condone anyone doing such a thing, but that's the level of anger sometimes that I feel when it's 90-plus degrees in the wee hours of the morning. It's been nice here as of late. Yeah, I don't think it's the kitten's fault unless it controls the weather. And then by all means, if it does, just go for it. But, uh, it's been much better. I think the uh, halfway to boiling that we've reached at 106 degrees last week, uh, we've hopefully uh, managed to cool off and maybe it won't go quite that high in the next uh, month or two. I am with you for sure. Now our friends to the south in the Metroplex are not feeling the same type of fortune that we have. I believe today marks day 30 of over 100 degree temperatures that they've had so far so they are still in it and the good thing about this is is that if you do have practice in the morning it is one of those that you're not having to make a whole lot of adjustments because of the heat yes you still have to take precautions but we're in the middle of football season essentially doc and i have a clip of audio that i would like to play for you off the top as we dive into some injuries we'll get into uh, a few acls and your opinions on some other players here in a second but one of the storylines that came out of last week from camp in Norman was a transfer from Notre Dame to Oklahoma, a defensive lineman by the name of Jacob Lacey. I'm going to play this audio clip for you. That way you have the full context of what the head coach said. Then we can discuss potentially what this might mean. So here's Brent Venables discussing Jacob Lacey. So Jacob Lacey, uh, Again, he had some uh, blood clots, and uh, he's in a really good place. Um, you know, there's a lot of what you don't know, uh, but I, based on, you know, his progress and doctors and tests and things of that nature, I think you'll see him back in uh, one of the sooner uh, target dates. And uh, so uh, that might be in uh, the latter part of September or so. And, uh, but he's he's doing a lot, you know, conditioning and lifting and things. But he's in no contact right now. Uh, so, but he's he's in great spirits and in a really good place mentally. Uh, and we'll see with Phil Paya. Okay, so we'll stop it there as he was getting ready to move on. This is not anything new. We've th- this is something that has unfortunately been somewhat common. Uh, because we've talked about stories like this in the past. There's no direct information there, Doc. It's all very vague. But in just experience or through different stories and and your attempts at at trying to learn through processes like this for for clots, there are some pretty specific risk risk factors for clots. But based off of what he said, he's doing a lot, just non-contact. So where do we even start with the blood clot dilemma? Well, the first thing is, how how do you even get one of these, uh, right? We talked, you said risk factors, and that's kind of the main thing that we look at when we deal with anyone with a blood clot, whether that's an athlete or whether that's an older adult or anybody that that presents with this. And sort of the classic ones for, for anyone are things like stasis, where the blood's not moving as much. And the most common way we encounter that 
is where you don't move very much. So long distance travel is a common worry for blood clots. So the classic thing is the flight to Japan, right? Where you mm-hmm. sit for, for 12 hours, you don't move. Um, but even just frequent kind of medium distance travel, like these professional athletes frequently do going to and from games that might be on the other side of the country, those, those increase those risk factors. Um, even just things like if you have an ankle sprain and you're in a boot and maybe you're in that boot for four weeks, well, you're not really moving that as you normally would. And the blood does not move with the same vigor in the veins that you would if you were moving it normally. And so that increased stasis raises that risk for blood clots. And so, again, it's hard to sometimes know the answer to these. Um, And in athletes in particular, there's some thought that maybe their lower heart rate, just because they're very athletic, uh, their lower blood pressure, because, again, they're very athletic. They're used to the athletic times when their increased exertion raises those values. But at rest, it's actually relatively lower. Maybe that is also playing a role for athletes in specific. Uh, And then the other edge would be not necessarily stasis, but just hypercoagulable states. We see those with things like factor V Leiden or other genetic uh, inherited methods of increasing the hypercoagulability of the blood or even just from dehydration or altitude changes or, you know, who knows what's in the supplements that you're taking to try to be the most athletic athlete possible. Uh, And so there's, there's a lot of factors at play. All right, so are there significant things that you can see where we recognize these? And I guess it depends on which type that we're talking about. You know, if you have a pulmonary embolism, uh, you're, you're going to have shortness of breath and, and suddenly or chest pain. But if this is in something, say, deep vein thrombosis, uh, what are we looking? Is it just a pain? Is there a certain amount of swelling? Because this has become a factor with uh, some of the more recent studies have been on some of the elevator risk for marathon and endurance athletes, you know, the ultra marathoner or those psychos that are running 200 miles in, in desert settings like David Goggins, uh, you know, just really outside of the box weirdos that do things like to this. But is it a soreness that you can actually tell? Typically, the clot will be in a vein and DVT is kind of a broad term, but that means a deeper vein instead of a superficial vein. And, yeah, you do typically have some degree of symptoms, the most common being swelling. If if there's a clot in a vein that's normally transporting blood away from, say, your leg, then the blood that is pumped to the leg will have a hard time getting back out of the leg. And so you'll see a swelling, a redness, a warmth that is only in one leg, and 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 specifically unilateral extremity edema is generally a concern because – most of the other things that cause swelling would do that to both sides. And so to have only in one kind of makes you worry about blood clots a lot more. And so to, to kind of see that warmth, redness, swelling, pain, their motion might be a little bit down just because of the, the kind of swollen appearance and the blood that's being pooling in the leg. And so that's the most common things. The clots don't necessarily all turn into pulmonary embolism. That's kind of the 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 first place of bad concerns you have. You don't want the clot to break off and then the next stop down the stream is the lungs. And so that's what you don't want uh, to have happen at any point. But the clot itself is usually going to be able to give you a little bit of symptoms before you ever get to that point. A ton of this is family history as well. I mean, this is going to be traced back. Uh, I mean, I would think that would be one of the first places that they actually look when something like this occurs. 
Absolutely. As we talked about the factor five Leiden being one of the more common ones, there's also protein C and protein S deficiencies that can be inherited, and those will raise your risk of developing clots that may or may not be what we call provoked. And so a provoked clot would be something like, oh, I just got on a plane and I flew to Japan and now I have swelling. Well, you, you did an activity, you did a thing that we know raises your risk of clots. As opposed to unprovoked, I've been doing my normal things, my normal activity, and now I have a clot. Unprovoked is actually more concerning and generally requires longer durations of anticoagulation because it, it kind of worries you what, what led to this and, and is there a genetic issue. And so we work up all of them, but the unprovoked ones generally need a little bit more caution. It sounds like in that clip that you played that he's on no contact uh, that, that suggests to me that he might still be on anticoagulation now, which would not be abnormal, uh, but that they're looking at maybe the closer to the six-week than the 12-week mark to try to get him off of that and back to play. Dr. Chris Crane is with us from Tulsa Bona Joint, TulsaBonaJoint.com, uh, here on the Blitz 1170, streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. It's almost NFL season, so that means it's almost fantasy football season with so many different drafts going on. And the question I have to you is about a Dallas Cowboys player that we saw last year. We talked about the injury when it happened, Doc. It's it's Tony Pollard, their running back. So he suffered uh, an injury, a fractured left fibula in that game against the 49ers in the playoffs. He had surgery on January 25th to go and to fix that fracture. They have been somewhat cautious with him all through OTAs. And when they got to camp, they are still taking a cautious approach. But from everything that I've read, they have been really happy with the healing process and the explosion that he has been able to show through trying to come back. And it doesn't seem like that there's going to be any restrictions on him whatsoever. So my question is, in comparison to your typical ACL injury, which depending on who you talk to, most people feel like maybe a full calendar year of going through not only mental, but recovery and getting back to where you were. This doesn't seem to be the case for Tony. How, how do you suggest when someone has an injury like that and it's fixed to get back some of that explosive nature and the type of training while also having the delicate balance of making every, making sure everything is healed so he can get back and ready to go? Yeah, uh, typically with this sort of prolonged healing time, the explosive power that, that sort of sets him apart from everyone else, that's going to be the last thing that he gets back. He's going to be working, starting out just on motion, on basic strength and coordination, on things like balance and agility. That explosive power to really put tons of torque across that injury and make sure that it's healed enough to handle it, that truly is the furthest thing down the line. They want to see all the other things in general return as best they can before they go and stress it at a particularly high level. So again, seeing that that activity in camp, seeing him be that explosive is a really good sign that he is towards the end of that rehab phase, in my opinion, and that he would be, again, hopefully with no restrictions as long as that's going well, uh, it, it, it is a long road and it's easy to get discouraged when it's been literally months since your injury and you still feel stymied, you still feel slowed down, but uh, it, it is a recovery process and the athletic trainers and the therapists that are working with him are going to be doing an excellent job with that. And, and he sounds like he's doing fantastic, honestly. So they did the tightrope on him, uh, according to reports. This was different than the surgical screw 
Uh, they go and they go through the tightrope process. I'll let you get into that in a second. Uh, but we've we've talked about tightrope before and even going back to Tua Tunga Viola when he was at Alabama before a national championship game, he had that procedure done. How does that help get him to this stage compared to a more traditional route of going through the surgical process? Yeah, it's a newer surgery. It's a newer approach. And I think that it has so far shown to be pretty reliable. The actual ligament that's injured at the ankle down there is the syndesmosis. It sits between the tibia and the fibula. And the screw would reinforce that structurally. But a ligament has a little give. It has a little play. It's something that can stretch a little or compress a little and not necessarily have any troubles. And so the screw doesn't replicate that part particularly well. It's very, very rigid. And so sometimes increased pain or just limited motion and that explosiveness doesn't really translate with the screw as well as the tightrope. And so instead of having the screw, they've now essentially got two buttons on each side and they put a a tight wire between the two that will have a little tiny bit of stretch to it and also is able to kind of compress a little and not necessarily be a screw that's so rigid. It just seems to be a, a slick procedure, and I'm hopeful that that will be something that we see has better outcomes, especially long-term. As do most Cowboy fans that are not only rooting for Tony Pollard, but those that might have him high on their fantasy football rankings as well. 918-392-1400 is the number to call. Tulsa Bone & Joint. Check him out online, TulsaBoneAndJoint.com. Everything hips, knees, shoulders, elbow, hands, wrists, foot, ankle, spine, neck, general orthopedics. I could keep going on right now. And I know all of this because I'm staring at the website right now as we speak. Oh, yeah. By the way, little bios on each individual doctor as well that you could come into contact with. Dr. Crane, thank you so much. Try to stay uh, cool during this little respite in the heat that we have, and we will check in again with you next week. Sounds fantastic. See you then. That is Dr. Chris Crane joining us here on the Blitz 1170, streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. We check in with him each and every single Wednesday. Again, 918-392-1400 to request an appointment at any of the locations for TBJ, Tulsa, Bartlesville, Owasso, Sand Springs, or their physical therapy center in Midtown. Time out. We'll come back with more from the Ag Chill Out Studios on the Blitz and streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app after this.